You're listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number 11. Hello and welcome to the Per Service Podcast. This is a show about authentic conversations with musicians in the performing arts. And twice a month, we publish our conversations to help musicians and artists connect their hands with their heart to think through the challenging emotions associated with putting your work on display. The term per service, where we get the name of our podcast, has a few meanings that we are reclaiming. It's typically associated with money. Maybe a gig pays $94 per service, where each rehearsal or a concert is a service. But, you know, money doesn't have to be the only way to measure how good a gig is. But secondly, because a lot of us are just figuring this all out one day at a time or one service at a time, if you will. Maybe you're a part-time musician with a day job or a full-time musician with a side hustle or fluctuating somewhere between the two. But thirdly, because being a musician is hard work. It's a service that usually doesn't get rewarded financially equally to the amount of work that goes into it. However, it's a service that is rewarding personally and to other people in so many different ways. And on today's show, we're talking about accepting other people's success when you feel like a loser. And this is something that we all feel like at some point. And it's become an issue, especially lately, with the advent of social media and just how fast news travels these days. You know, because this isn't something Yasha Heifetz had to worry about. You know, he didn't get news feed notifications every time Isaac Stern played a sold out concert. But this is a daily occurrence for us. And more importantly, what does dwelling on this negativity do for us as musicians? And in the second half of the show, we cover some of the actionable things you can do to improve if you feel like you've stalled out. Well, you can find the show notes and more details about who we are at perservice.co slash 11. All right, here we go. She was like, it's just so important for everyone that's in this field to listen to people's struggles so that they know they're not alone. Because it is one of those things that we pretend is not real. So we want to do what? What? what did it's you- dealing with what did we say? Dealing with, dealing with the success of others and when you've plateaued, which I kind of have to be honest, I don't love that. I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it because it makes me feel like a loser, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the important thing because a lot me of people, too. I mean, I feel like a loser all the time. Me so too. Like, why, yeah. should, why should I try to like baby it or okay. the word? Soften okay, it, as long know, as but... we recognize that we feel like losers, that's fine. Well, we're here, we feel like losers, and we're ready to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Let's do uh, it. Uh, in theory, yes. So that's something I think, but that talking with you guys is is interesting. And I think that's why it's it's interesting to have these conversations is I don't always know if everybody else sort of feels like they're losers. Like, I feel like there's a lot of musicians out there that are awesome and are just like the self promoters and are putting themselves out there and like recording themselves playing their awesome uh, concertos on Instagram and and there's a lot of days where I'm just like, oh, I, what am I doing? Everybody else is so good. Oh, I totally feel that way. I feel that way all the time. But I feel that way when I look at other musicians. And I feel that way when I look at non-musicians. So basically, I just always feel like a loser. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, I was going to say, I definitely second that. But one thing that has definitely helped me is this idea of the Polaroid slice of life. You, when you see these, you know, Snapchat, yeah, Snapchats or Instagram photos, we're seeing one little slice of somebody's life. And we don't know what went into making that video or taking that picture or, you know, how they were afterwards. And I think that's good to remember. We, you know, we have great moments too. And maybe we don't put all of them online. Just because you're seeing someone else's great moment doesn't mean it's that great all the time. Who has that great of a moment every minute of every day? No one. Right. Real. Yeah. And that's when I was thinking about this, that it's like in the digital age, I feel like this has become such a bigger topic because we can see everybody's curated little snapshot of success. Whereas before, you might not know about your long lost friend who, you know, you might think is not a very good musician that just won this awesome job and you're like why on earth did they win that job yeah Uh, i don't know i think social media it's sort of it's weird waters to navigate this social peacocking and making yourself you know look awesome i gotta tell you i'm getting closer and closer to shutting it all down because it's just not healthy sometimes yeah kind of getting back to this whole why is that it's an interesting question is that why why does that stuff frustrate you or like why does seeing other people's success why is that frustrating or why does that stir up some emotion hmm well if i'm being honest yeah Mm -hmm. get ready for some truth brahms everybody i think it's because Part of me feels like I've worked just as hard, if not harder, than a lot of people. So I deserve something. Even though that is not real. I deserve nothing. But I want to deserve something. Yeah, no, I mean, I think your your feelings are valid. I don't think we want to say, you. <laughs> don't want to get into like, you shouldn't feel that way. And I don't think that that does any good to just make yourself, you know, to pile on some guilt on top of this. I feel like everybody but, will say like, well, it's because you're a millennial and you all deserve like have entitlement issues. Yeah. But it's just funny. also straight up jealousy. Sorry, Christian, go ahead. No, I also think, I think it is jealousy and sometimes mm-hmm. I think I deserve it. But what, where I get frustrated the most or when, I, when I'm jealous or pissed off, someone maybe has an opportunity to play somewhere or has won a job or something. When I think they lack qualities that are actually my strengths, mm-hmm. where I see someone who maybe, you know, can get around the fingerboard wonderfully, but they're like oblivious in chamber music. They just don't know what it means, you know, to pass a line or something and just, okay, uh, how, why do people want to play with this person? I think I'm a much better chamber musician. What's the deal there? So I think it's, For me, it's very difficult when I realize, you know, maybe I'm just as good of a player, but I I offer so much more. I can bring so much more to the table and then I just get to, you know, seem passed over. Mm -hmm. And also, like, how much of it has to do with politics? Because sometimes I don't think we want to have resentment towards our colleagues, even if, you know, some of them we probably dislike more than others. But But a lot of times it comes down to who you know and politics. And for my life right now, I'm definitely asking the question of how do I deal with the fact that politics play into hiring situations? And I'd rather look at it that way than look at it as being upset with other people. Yeah. It's a real thing in the arts that people 
hire their friends or they want to work with their friends, which I think it kind of adds further weight to our conversation last week where we were talking about of why making friends is important. Not to say that you should just use people for your uh, you know, financial gain, but it's a real thing. And it's really weird. I vacillate between feeling like, well, that's how it is. And it's unfortunate, but you know, okay, it's fine. And then I, the other extreme where I'm like, ah, and I just want to like <laughs> punch someone. Right. I don't know how I to think, say it except to express it through sound. <laughs> right. But I think sometimes we also blame it on politics and who, you know, because sometimes that's easier to do than to accept maybe that person just played better on that day than I did. Or maybe sure. they got sure. along with the person who's organizing the concerts better than I do. Sure. And maybe they're just more likable than I am. Uh, mm-hmm. What? Scare- I think- Never. <laughs> I know, guys, but for real. That, that's, a good, that's a good question, I think, is because sometimes we're only basing our you know quantitative assessment of that person based on one attribute they are not a good player what like what are the other things that maybe you know people are looking for in a musician is it it does is just being a great player the only thing that matters no no and in fact i had someone in a position to hire people recently say to me it matters just as much that you're able to make a good sound as it does that you're able to have good rhythm and just pay attention, know not when to play in silences and not be moody. Yeah. He was like, if I'm going to hire someone for this position, I need to know that they have the wherewithal to keep their attitude in check. If things are not the best, I think in other words to be professional all the time. Yeah. So it's like, not only is your musical integrity always being judged but who you are as a person is important. And of course, this is not true across the board because some people only care how you play. But it is nice to consider yourself as the whole package. Yeah, there, <laughs> there is the- tons more, I think, that people are consciously or subconsciously thinking about when they're you know, deciding who they're going to pick. And we often don't see that. And I think that sort of you know, comparison or judging other people, we are not taking into account all these other qualities. It's just like, oh, well, I sat next to them in this one concert and they messed up. And I was like, well, that maybe that's true, but maybe they're really good at something else. I, I will say there was one time I played this. Actually, it wasn't even a gig. It was an, an orchestra rehearsal at school. And there was a situation that got so out of hand the behavior of this particular person, it was shocking. And we all were just sitting there in stunned silence. And the first thought that went through my head was, I will never hire that person for a gig in town because I can't trust that they can handle themselves. Were they eating Taco Bell in rehearsal? No, this was actually a different school. <laughs> no, but it was like physical aggression. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. And That's I weird. just remember... And it was because his section was called out and he was the section leader and he got extremely defensive. And it was out of control. Yeah. And that's just completely inappropriate way to, to react. It's you like you're just... much more forgiving. Oh, they didn't play awesomely that one time, but I'll try that person again. As opposed to, oh, they completely acted irrationally and out of control and therefore yeah. bye. Yeah. I'm having a little bit of a, a lucky streak at the moment. I played a gig nice. 
maybe about a month and a half ago where the I just happened to randomly talk to the concert master during the break and he asked where I was from and I said Miami, Florida. And he's like, whoa, really? He's like, do you still have family or friends there? I was like, yeah, my parents are there. And I know some people. He's like, oh, he's like, man, we need to do some chamber music concert there and play Austrian music and do all this stuff. He's like, could you like organize something like that? And I said, who knows? I can look into it. Awesome. And since then, I've been getting calls from him left and right for <gasps> gigs and nice. like projects and all this stuff. Because he really wants me to organize a concert in Miami, Florida. <laughs> I know you were being sort of goofy when you said that you were on a lucky streak. But there's some quote that's like, luck, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. I mean, yes, it is luck. And what are, what are the chances that you would meet somebody that was like, oh, yeah, we could put on a concert. But it's like you were already at the gig. Like you were already good enough to be at that gig. And, you know, he probably knew that you were a great player. It's, it's, not, it's not just like a shot in the dark. Right. Of course not. But the gigs that are coming out of that have less to do with how I am as a player and more to do with he wants me on his good side. So right. if I organize something in Miami, he's involved. That's true. Yeah. Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. But I don't want to say no to all of those things. But at the same time, it's like I know that this isn't just, just because of a gig. Wait, so does it bother you that you're getting these gigs from this guy? No, not when I, (laughs) (laughs) no, in a way it does. Cause it's like, this has nothing to do with me playing viola or me needing to be a part of this ensemble. It's just, yeah, I I can really tell it's, it's the social aspect that's keeping me involved. So are you feeling used or do you think you're using him? I am. I feel like I'm using him in a way. Because you have no plans on actually setting anything up in Miami. (laughs) Not that, not that, but not anytime soon because I'm getting married in two days. (laughs) Yay! Surprise. Yeah. So, oh yeah. By the time this episode airs, you will be a married man. Married man. Off the market. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I do have a question. Yes. I just wonder if musicians, part of our problem and our problem with the successes of others has to do with the fact that just because of who we are, we're over analytical about everything. And perhaps we put way too much thought into the success of others and the politics or the the musical skill or the shoulda, woulda, should, you know, entitlement business. I just wonder mm-hmm. if perhaps like what would it look like? If we saw others have success and we on Facebook, especially, and we were like, eh, cool, good for them. Not bothered. Going to keep trucking. (laughs) I think in an orchestra audition, it's very like understandable to be upset because there is a limited space. There's only maybe there's only a space for one person. And if that was sort of your definition of success, that was, you know, my my dream is to play with this great orchestra and somebody else now is living my dream. Yeah, of course, it's, it's really understandable that you'd be a little, you know, upset that somebody else is moving forward and you're, you know, back to the grind. But I think in other settings, keeping that same scarcity mentality, I think is not healthy. And when it comes to other gigs or other pursuits that there's only enough 
for one of us. And I have to take every gig. I have to say yes to every single gig. Otherwise, I'm not going to get any more. And I think trying to switch to an abundance mentality, if you see somebody that's like, oh, they're doing something cool, or they are now on tour with this awesome band or something. That's cool. I mean, that's really hard. I'm not saying that I'm I'm good at this and like, oh yeah, I always respond great when I hear about other people's success. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, here's a very concrete example. I think because I'm already 32 and many of the friends and colleagues I studied with or met at festivals already have jobs, have maybe had jobs in orchestras for several years or are freelancers and have their really solid connections and are playing regularly in top orchestras. I feel a little bit behind like i'm missing out on something really special in life or i've just not reached it yet and then when i see some of these people not have that job anymore they didn't pass tenure or they're not getting called back anymore to sub with these orchestras or maybe they're not even playing the instrument anymore it makes me realize that's not everything the the big problem and we do this to ourselves the reason you know seeing someone else's success and why that hurts and why it's difficult to deal with that is because we think at that moment, that's everything. Like that's really the ultimate key to happiness. And we don't see anything else. It's kind of like putting blinders on. It's all we can see is a Facebook news feed or, you know, all these congratulations for someone winning a job. And we forget all of the other great things that are in life. I mean, it's really sad to say that. But when you think about someone not having that job anymore, then you realize, oh, well, Actually, I wouldn't trade places with them either way, with the job or without the job. (laughs) Nice. I think another thing that makes it difficult for me to be genuinely happy for other people's success is it makes me wonder if I've stopped improving. You know, I kind of think like, oh, we were at the same level at some point. How did they get that much better? Why didn't I improve? Why am I not there? I think that's hard because, you know, everyone does have a different kind of maximum level that they'll reach and kind of a reaching it, you know, even, even getting that far is one thing, but then also kind of accepting it, taking a realistic look at how you play and then deciding and assessing, can I get better? Will I be able to improve my weaknesses so I can get those better gigs or possibly win that local audition? Okay. As people out of school, Or maybe you're taking a year off or two years off, whatever. How do we continue to improve upon our skills? Whoa, cliffhanger! We will answer Jess's question after a quick word from our sponsors. The Purse Service Podcast is made possible by orchestraexcerpts.com. If you're preparing for an orchestra audition, orchestraexcerpts.com makes it easy for any instrumentalist to listen to multiple recordings of excerpts and follow along with the sheet music on screen in one convenient place. Podcast listeners can get 10% off any purchase by using the promo code PODCAST at checkout. New this month is the complete guide to the violent excerpts requested for the 2017 National Youth Orchestra of the United States of America at Carnegie Hall. And you can study those excerpts and purchase a 78-minute video lesson on how to prepare and practice these excerpts for a fraction of the price of studying with a teacher in person. Visit orchestraexcerpts.com slash violent to find that video. 
We'd also like to give a shout out to the Masterworks Festival, which is actually where the four of us met many years ago. The Masterworks Festival is a four-week performing arts camp with a spiritual emphasis focused on orchestra, chamber music, and intensive study. The 2016 Summer Festival is taking place this year at Cedarville College in Ohio, which is where I'm heading to be on faculty in just a few weeks. So I hope to see some of you listeners there, or maybe next year. You can learn more at masterworksfestival.org. You mean like out of school as in if we don't have a teacher? Right, right, yes. Okay. Great well, question. <laughs> yeah. Smooth transition. You know, most of us, you know, had a le- one lesson a week growing up. And then you went to university and you also had usually one lesson a week. Most of us have colleagues we can play for just for honest opinion. It doesn't have to be every week, but why not once a month? If you set up a routine, you know, knowing, okay, I'm going to play for somebody once a month, then you are going to get feedback. I think we, if we replace teacher with feedback, it can be very helpful. You can kind of find out, am I getting better? You can find maybe you don't have to study with a professor, but what about the concertmaster of a local symphony or a concertmaster of a city that's maybe just two hours away and you go play for them once a month? Um, so I think, you know, not having a teacher, you can say, great, I don't have a teacher. You don't play for someone every week. But there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a mentor or maybe a sounding board, a couple of colleagues you trust to give you constructive feedback. Absolutely. I did that um, after moving to New York. There are a couple of us that were taking auditions and I should reinstate this, even though I don't have, we don't have consistent auditions we're preparing for anymore, but we would have studio class biweekly and a couple of us friends slash colleagues would get together and play for each other and give each other notes and drink tea. This is way better than any lesson I've ever had. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause it's more fun. And that's the perk of being an adult and being out of school. You can play for friends that you trust and respect musically and i'm telling myself this right now and it should be done even when you don't have an audition coming up (laughs) getting friends together like it doesn't even have to be a lesson like give me advising like i think you could you could throw a chamber music party you could have one of those hey we're gonna get together and sight read stuff and i'm sure you improve even if it's just improving your sight reading which is a valuable skill just by having fun and drinking wine you know and you don't have to play only for people who play your instrument. Right. And in fact, I think it's just as valuable, if not more so sometimes to play for people who don't play your instrument. And they don't really care if something is difficult. You know what I mean? They just care what it sounds like. So they wouldn't be like, wow, you know, you were um, sharp on that shift, but like, it's so hard. So I totally get it. They're not going to say that. They're going to be like, oh yeah, that was out of tune. You know, and I think that that's sometimes just as valuable because there are people who don't play your instrument on juries and in your auditions that they don't care. I don't care if your read isn't good. Don't care. It doesn't sound good. Like, that's how I am. So I sort of think when we're in school, it's it's easy because we have sort of our feet to the the flame about, you know, that you're going to have a lesson on, you know, next Thursday, like it's coming. And so you have to practice knowing that on Thursday, like you're going to have a lesson, you know, come hell or high water. And then when we get out of school, it's like, well, I don't have anything, so I don't really need to. It's a lot harder to motivate yourself to practice. Something you could do to kind of re-scare yourself into practicing something is schedule something like, and it could be months in advance of something that terrifies you. Either you're going to perform a recital or 
I don't know, you're just going to have friends over. You're like, you're, you could schedule a chamber party. And if that, if that scares you, but I think there's, there's something to scheduling something that you know that you're not going to cancel on and that you're inviting people to that people are counting on you. I completely agree with that, Michael, because I've had from being ill and, you know, other, well, it's mostly illness, but I've had a couple of really dry seasons where I have not had the inspiration and I've never been the person that's been motivated on my own aside from having a concert or competition or an audition coming up. And I so admire people who I feel like, like, for example, to me, Christian is super consistent. When I think of Christian, I think of organized instrumentalist that does the practicing he needs to do. I wish I was more like <laughs> Christian for real. Yeah, for real. It's yeah, not me. And I'm definitely not the person on Instagram posting videos, you know, putting myself out there. It's just not my personality. And I have recently learned to take these gigs like a, a chamber music offer will come up. It won't be a lot of money, but I'll know that I'll have to learn a hard part. Yeah. It really motivates me in those dry seasons to keep listening to things, to keep practicing. You know, I know if I don't practice enough, then I'm going to sound like trash in front of 80 people. <laughs> not not ideal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some people, I think, respond well to the the negative consequences of if I schedule a recital and people show up and I'm not ready, that I'm going to look terrible. And so that's a very negative consequence. But I think people also respond well to rewards. And you could just as well say, okay, I'm going to schedule a recital. And no matter what happens at the end of it, I'm going to, you know, whatever, eat a lot of chocolate, go on vacation, let myself watch an entire series on Netflix, you know, whatever. Right. Like take a little break for your hard work. Yeah. So steaks, I think uh, the S T A S T A K E, not, not like the kind you eat. I was thinking of having some steaks, (laughs) high stakes, high stakes or rewards are helpful in a sort of productivity, motivational sense, I think. Christian, what keeps you motivated or makes you motivated? Like, how do you keep your consistency with your practice going? What's your motivation? Do you think it's a personality thing? Do you think it goes personality with something else? I mean, I definitely took, I took a break from viola for a while. So when I got back into it, yeah, the, actually, the first thing that came back was a, a craving to practice, a craving to get better. Um, just because I also realized for myself, I'm not done with the viola. It's time to get back into it and climb the ladder again. I think that's what's motivating me right now, knowing I can get better and I'm going to figure out how. So that has caused me to find somebody I can play for regularly, go take some lessons from. And that's been a big help. Two things that have definitely helped me get better recently. I'll, I'll say three things. Two are very technical and one is a little bit philosophical. The two technical things, one is an app called Intonia. And what it does is it just basically puts your intonation on display. You can set the key, you can set the frequency, but it records all the noise. And so if you, you know, have kind of white noise in between the boat, you know, boat changes or string crossings, like you see it all on the screen. You see a car honk, you see your breathing. What anything that happens in a pitch is up on the screen. So you can really see what you're playing. You can program your expressive intonation. You can see it. it is Wow. So good because often people are like, well, don't you hear that? And I'm like, no. But then the minute I 
record myself and then see it. And then I'm like, oh, right, it is sharper. Oh, that is fun. That's right. Like then fixing it is not a problem. So if you think sometimes I just don't know how to fix my intonation, I, I don't hear those things. Maybe you need to see it. Maybe you're a visual learner. So if you can see your intonation, you can fix it too. Ooh. So that's that. Intonia. Intonia, right. Second one, rhythm work. People think, you know, play with metronome, play with metronome, play with metronome. That's fine. Playing with metronome is great for the reason of, you know, when you're an artist and you're in an audition, you think, okay, at this moment, I need to do this shift or play this way. Like you're on your own timing, but a metronome gives you consistent timing. If you want to do a difficult shift or a finger, uh, you know, string crossing, like whatever it is, you know, why don't you take the weight of the timing off of your shoulders and just do it with the metronome? Like look at metronome as a, as a crutch. It is there. It's telling you when to do what. Then the best check for a metronome is to record yourself without the metronome, play it back with the metronome. If you can play your recording back and it matches the metronome, you're good to go. That's a lot of thinking. Have fun with that. That's all I got to say. Wow. <laughs> no, really. Like, if, think about it. Re- record yourself playing Mendelssohn Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, the scherzo. Record it through beginning to end and then play it back with a metronome. Cool. Yeah. Ew. There you go. So that's oh. that. Third thing, philosophical. Oh. Ooh, all right. Okay. Bring it. Bring the heat. A lot of people, unless you've absolutely had zero technical difficulties during musical education, everyone kind of has their shadow, their closet that's locked. And they say, like, oh, don't bring up bow technique or don't bring up, you know, the tight right shoulder or wrist vibrato or whatever. Like everyone has their thing. Yeah. You know, and I've seen teachers and no one's, no one's been able to fix mm-hmm. it for me, blah, blah, blah. I think all of those technical problems are fixable. And maybe you've just not found the right person who's explained it the right way or you've not heard it put in the right words. And so if you think you have a technical problem that subconsciously is keeping you from improving and you think, but I, you know, I've just never gotten past it, start, you know, start going psychotic about it. Look up all the videos online, YouTube. Look up articles like you. I promise there are so many things that you can find. I've watched masterclasses online where people then say, oh, why don't you just, you know, tilt your arm a little bit in this direction or, or raise your elbow a bit and then you don't have to use the shoulder. And it's like, ah, but no, why didn't anyone ever tell me that? You know, but so you can really learn from other people's lessons, from other masterclasses, read books, read the Leopold Mozart, you know. Um, oh, yeah. fundamentals the treatise exactly yes. the treatise on the fundamentals of violin playing like all of these things they're at our disposal like agreed use them yeah that's mm-hmm. i think the other advantage of the digital age is like we all have these resources at our fingertips like we could all have access to them but then my question is if you can always improve does that mean if you haven't won the, an audition and that's what you really want you just need to keep working harder you need to keep keep keeping on does that mean that you'll eventually get there well i here's what i think can i throw in some sense here and i by that i mean my two cents and not some (laughs) s-e-n-s-e but (laughs) because i can't guarantee that one i think you're trying to make an overarching point so for example my my physical ability or lack thereof like i had flying away left hand fingers and a big problem for like a solid like eight years was my right shoulder raising and i remember my my teacher strapping a teddy bear to my shoulder so i could see it in the mirror every time i would raise Um, (laughs) and some of these things like now i actually don't know how they were fixed but they went away eventually 
And, and I put a lot of thought into it. But there are other issues that the overanalytical musician brain that I brought up before, I think we can overanalyze the heck out of physical problems and really, mm. you know, dig ourselves in a deep hole. So I think there's sure. like, do the research, like Christian's saying, figure out what you can figure out because we are in an age where that is a helpful resource, but don't like beat yourself up about it. And I think it applies to the whole, the overall, am I making it question? And is this a fulfilling career for me? That's that's one question. But if you're trying and you feel motivated and you have people that are backing you and saying, yes, you can make it in this industry, you might have to carve your own path. But I think it's the same thing. If you overanalyze every move and what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. and you get too much in your head about it, it's actually not helpful long term, just like it isn't with these physical problems. It's like do your research, be consistent, keep moving. Right. I totally, totally agree. It's kind of like um, relationships. Like don't overanalyze every text message you get from somebody like that's never going to end well for anyone. So like there are things to analyze, but I've actually had it where physical issues I've had have sometimes gone away when I started focusing on a different issue because I was actually just mentally screwing it up. You know what I mean? Sometimes it goes away when you work on something else. When you say you have flyaway fingers, do you mean that you're constantly like guys, I've got something for Michael to put on our little blog. Our friend, our mutual friend, Matt Kiefer, loves this picture of me and brings it up all the time. I was playing the Mendelssohn Concerto. I know this. Hands like, <laughs> That's all my fingers in the air. And Michael put the picture up. And you guys can make fun of me because it's, it's hysterical. Uh-huh. I don't do it anymore. But this is a flyaway finger situation, right? <laughs> all right. So who wants to who wants to try to summarize our little podcast right here? Me. All right, Anna. It's not actually what me. What have we learned today? Don't be jelly. <laughs> Can you not say it like that? Can you say the full word? I really just wanted to say don't be jelly. I don't think I don't think you're ready for this. Christian's not amused. I'm going to take a Kate Spade quote and adapt it to music. Hold oh good, I like it. Is she the handbag lady? Yes, yeah. and she makes she amazing a- shoes and she clothes. Loves Kate Spade. And purses. She and I love her. That. She also makes some baby clothes that, don't worry, they only cost like $150. Do you think Kate Spade could sponsor our podcast? Do you think oh my they, gosh. They'd if- just send us hand, lovely handbags? Oh my gosh. I I'd take that. a man bag. Do they make Kate Spade man bags? Um, oh. I've never seen them, but we can get her on that. She bought, she has some great clothes. Mm. it's good yeah right kate spade says okay so you're having a party do you want to invite the neighbors great invite them you don't want to invite the neighbors great invite them they probably won't come anyway and you'll earn points for being polite and i think it's the same thing when you see other people succeed and you're a little bit bitter about it smile congratulate them don't diss them in public because if other people can see that you can take others successes you know with a grain of salt and just you know congratulate them you'll come across as more confident and much more level-headed musician and that will probably serve you better in the long run Mm. not saying you have to really enjoy it and be happy sure but don't let it show just smile and that usually will at least take some of the edge off Good one. Amen. Good stuff. Good good. advice. Good. Yeah. 
So I think going along with Christian's application of the fabulous Kate Spade, the other thing is don't be jealous or don't be too bitter because you can keep improving with your, even if you're out of school, if you don't have a teacher, you can keep improving and being bitter will only stand in your way of improvement. Actually, it's not going to help you with anything. That is so true. Bitterness is like taking rat poison yourself and expecting the rat to die. (laughs) Wow. It does not do you any good physically or mentally. Truth Brahms. I feel like we can't say that because nobody's they're gonna be like huh truth browns instead of truth bombs okay cool and that's a wrap yeah i think that's great i'll have uh all the show notes will be on persurface.co slash 11 question mark there's there's no question mark at the end of that just just 11 exclamation point <laughs> No, not not that either. Oh. All right. Don't We're going to wrap this up <laughs> before this drags on any longer. I've been Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. <laughs> All right, there it is. <laughs> you are seriously insane right now. Am I? So that is our show, folks. If you'd like to see the points from our conversation today, again, you can find them in the show notes online at www.perservice.co slash 11, like the number. That's P-E-R-S-E-R-V-I-C-E dot C-O slash 11. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review in iTunes. It shouldn't take you very long at all. It just mean a lot to us because it helps other musicians and artists find our little show. Do you have a question of something you're struggling with that you'd like to ask us? We'd love to hear from you. You can use the SpeakPipe widget on the show notes page at www.perservice.co slash 11 or just send us an email at hey at perservice.co. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again in the next episode. Until then, be well and practice well. Anna really is the worst when it comes to this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, some of our listeners were disappointed that I didn't add it in. Do you want to? Seriously? Can you up the Annie on the mouth trumpet? You've been, that. you've been so working good. on that. Been, that's what I practice now instead of the violin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try it. Right. No. You got to do like more side mouth action. I just had a lot of coffee, so I'm really jazzed. You're being crazy right now. I know. Java, 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 Java. Okay.